It's your lady DJ Leah here. Did you read the first book in the Stolen series, Stolen to Remember? Well, guess what? This Friday, August 7th, Stolen to Keep is live. It's the second book in the trilogy. You can grab it on our website. You can get it from Eden Books. You can download it directly to your Kindle. You can also get it on Apple, Barnes & Noble, and Kobo. And I'm just going to read you the book bio in case you need a little refresher. Stolen to Keep. Berkeley Tramble has had her life turn upside down since her sister was kidnapped and taken to a deserted island. It can't possibly get any crazier, but when she runs from the man who doesn't want to let her go, she's the one being taken this time. Vaughn Warsaw will have Berkeley by any means necessary. Flying across the world and making her his shouldn't be too difficult, right? Luckily for him, she likes the chase because the hunt is on for the woman he loves. Warning, those Warsaw men are back at it with taking what they want and asking questions later. This over-the-top love has all the dirty sweetness you want while keeping the hero on his toes. That's Stolen to Keep, the second book in the Stolen Trilogy. Stolen to Remember's first. Stolen to Keep is out now, August 7th. Grab it again on alexarelli.com, edenbooks.com. If you want to get it downloaded directly to your Kindle, you can also grab it on Apple, Barnes Noble, and Kobo. Go get it, and I'll see you guys in just a second with the Lady DJs. Hey, lady listeners. Hey, lady DJs. How's it going? This is Read Me Romance, and it's it's uh, Emma Castle week, and we're here to play the second half of Devastate Me in just a little while. Yay! Yay! So we're really excited about that. First, I wanted to tell you guys, so I got my hair done. I, I went and got my hair done. Oh, that, that's right, because it was the first time since, like, March? Was it February? Because you yeah. were her first scheduled back. I think we talked about this before, because you were like... I had an appointment, but I was scheduled as her first back I and I moved it, right? I was scheduled back and I, I wasn't ready. I just wanted to see how it went, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. Just with see with the process. the first month of everything being open went. Yeah. And they went and they t- like they take your temperature the second you walk in the door. Like, That's it's good. It's really a fish. Like, yeah. Uh, everybody was wearing masks, obviously, and it felt really safe. Um, they cleaned, like, there was somebody that was just designated to go around cleaning chairs in between people getting up. And, oh, I like and, that. And then they would put a sign on it that said sanitized so that the next person would know that, that chair has been cleaned. And it was great. So she was started, we, I always, I always have really good conversations with her, my hairdresser, Simone. And actually I've never had a hairdresser before. I've always kind of like skipped around because I've always been intimidated by hair salons. And so like, I always think they don't like me. And so I just don't go back, but I like this girl a lot. So I've gone, I've, you, you found her for me, obviously, but she's my best friend. <laughs> so she, she started telling me about how she's become really obsessed with this Enneagram personality test. Have you guys heard about this? I feel like I've heard this recently, but go ahead. So she was like, I took this uh, Enneagram test a couple of months ago and I've just like done a deep dive into like finding out more about my type. Cause like there's nine types. Or oh eight types. yes. We've yeah. got numbered, us. right? It's like number numbered one yeah. through nine, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah. Yeah. And she, so she starts telling me, so it's spelled E-N-N-E-A-G-R-A-M, Enneagram. And she starts telling me all these like traits about her personality type, which is type three. And I was like, this sounds so eerily 
similar to me. I, yeah. like everything you're describing sounds like me. And so I took the test and I got a three as well. Oh, I'm wow. the same type as her, yeah. which I've had now 10 friends take this test and everyone's gotten a different number than me. Which yeah. is, so it was kind of weird that we both had the same number. Yeah. But I really, I would like really encourage people to take this test because it clarified my feelings on a lot of things. Like why I feel certain ways, why I avoid certain things and why I'm not happy. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, why like why what what's keeping me from being happy yeah and it's like helped me kind of like make a few adjustments and um feel I feel a lot better it's it's really? weird I it's, it's nice like this test went here's what you're like and here's what what your greatest fears are and here's what makes you happy and me going yeah that's it yeah that's, that made it really clear in a way like I can't do for myself so I, I like just made a few adjustments. Like I have the, um, give me some, these. yeah, I want some details on this. Tell me what, okay. what you, you've taken me, the test too, Leah. The one through nine. Yeah. You've taken the test. I did it like a year ago and I got like loyalist or something. You got, I can't remember. Yours was like a leader. Oh no, that's the ENTJ thing. That's the different one. That's the, that's the personality thing where it's like you have the four different letters you can be. It's like ENTJ, EJ, and something else. That one's a really long one, but that one's not, that doesn't give you a personality, um, breakdown. It tells you where you fit in, like you're a leader, you're a follower, whatever it is that you break into. And then it tells you how you can work with others. That's, that's basically more of like a work related thing. Like if you worked in an office, you would want everybody to take that test so that you can develop how, who works better with whom and why. And if this person doesn't work better with you, this is how they're able to receive information better. You can look that one up. That's the, that's most people I think are the, the ENTJ or whatever it is. It's that, that lettering. But anyways. The test I took was on a website. Like it's, it's your Enneagram coach.com. If you want to take it, they make you like sign up with your email to get your results, but I haven't even gotten an email from them yet. So I don't think it's like a spam thing. Okay. So I got number three was, which is the successful achiever. And that sounds really good, but it's mostly, it's not that great. (laughs) Like once you go through and read all the traits about it, it's like uh, mostly negative. Um, like threes do not want anything that looks like failure to sit around doing nothing, to look unprepared or awkward, to be overshadowed by others, to be average, to ask others for help or support, or to be caught in distortions of the truth. <laughs> and it, I don't know, there was a lot of different things that just made me understand the way I think a lot better, you know, and a lot of it has to, I, so a lot of it has to do with, I, I'm like, they're really obsessed with image, uh, the way number threes are kind of like obsessed with image. And I am not happy. I like, I've never been happy with my image. Right. And I don't know that I, that it's like something, it's something I have to work on and something I have to just become happy with the way I look and things like that. And my weight, you know, um, but it just kind of like, it, it made me go, this is why I'm unhappy at the end of the night, like after I've had like a really huge dinner and I've overeaten and I'm sitting on the couch and I'm in a terrible mood. It's like, I'm angry with myself. And it like made me go, it just made me step back and kind of go, like this, this is about you and you need to like not take it on your family and you need to like, you know, understand why you're feeling this way so you can adjust it. And I just like adjusted the way I'm eating. Like I'm not eating, I'm not dieting. Yeah. I'm just eating bigger in the middle of the day and eating lighter in the end of the day. Like seriously, just mm-hmm. that little adjustment and I feel so much better. Yeah. 
you don't have that self-loathing at night yeah it's like I was really feeling and I don't like it I don't like that I feel that way I don't think I think it's nice to to have a huge meal and like enjoy it and not worry about your weight things like that but it was making me feel like hatred towards myself just having this like giant meal and so like making just making that small adjustment is like made me feel like a different person I'm not even lying that's awesome and yeah it's been good and I, I talked to another of the hair another one of the hairdressers that took the test and she got like a creative like creative uh, number and it like she realized after doing like some studying on her Enneagram type that like her mother was really stifling that. And sh- so she moved out of her house. Oh, shit. Place. Really? She, she, she made some she found a place and she moved out and she's like, I feel like my life is it's a different life. And wow, so I don't know. It's something about this test, like having your your personality type like kind of laid out for you. Yeah, maybe your vulnerability is kind of shown to your face too, you know, like like presented to you in a way like this is why this these are where you're vulnerable and this is how you can face this and fix it, you know? Yeah. So I think it's just kind of advantageous I would take it if if you maybe if you're like me and you're kind of like I know I feel shitty and I know I'm angry and I know I'm unhappy but I don't know if I can I can't clarify why my friend of mine posted it um the other day and I looked at it and it was like it was really pretty like the graphics they had made to go with it to show you all the different things but there's so many things that are listed on each one of the numbers I read like to number two and I was like that's too much and I just got out of it but I didn't she did post the link in order to take the quiz on there so I, I, I may go back and click that then since because at the time I didn't know what it was it was just like oh another personality test no thanks like that's just too much information yeah I actually meant to send you the link before um before this podcast so you guys can take it but I forgot so the types are reformer helper achiever individualist investigator loyalist enthusiast challenger and peacemaker and each of those have like broader descriptions obviously but those sound like the same once yeah, it may be the test. same category. Yeah, but I'm wondering how. Hold on, I'm I'm gonna look it up. So the other one, the the one we were talking about, the commander was the one I got, and that's the ENTJ. And um, I want to see like what this is the that one that one the one we took is called the 16 personalities test, and it has like it breaks you down into 16 different ways, but. I don't know that it did any emotional breakdown. I, maybe, but it tells you like, hold on, there's the personality types on this one are the analyst, the diplomat, the sentinel, the explorer, the architect, the logician, commander, debater, advocate, mediator, protagonist, campaigner, logician, defender, executive, console, virtuous, adventurer, entrepreneur, entertainer. So those are all the options you could get on the other one. Because I remember the lady I got was like really bossy with a finger and she was a commander. <laughs> and I was like, oh, that's great. I'm an asshole. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, that's the other one. But that's more of like, I remember taking that one. And that one was really long. Well, that was a, a long personality test where I was like, I'm so done with this. But it's like, do you, is this one break down the same where it's like, do you mostly agree, strongly agree? And then you can yes. like, and you kind of pick in between. It's like a one through five, I think. Okay. Yeah, yeah like yeah. one being don't mm-hmm. agree and one being. But it's weird yeah. because and my friends were taking it. I, I noticed too that they ask a lot of the same questions, but they phrase them differently. And so yeah. like and some of the times they ask them and I'd be like, I don't understand what they're asking me. 
Yeah. And five questions later, they would ask me again in a different way. And I'd go, oh, okay. yeah. Okay. I th- but I think that plays into it. Maybe I so. I think it's just like about how your how your brain processes things. Yeah. Anyways, I thought it was really cool. That is really um, cool. I want to take it now. Just to say. Have you been watching uh, I'll Be Gone in the Dark? No, I've been saving it. We I came on while we were at the beach and we couldn't watch it with the kids and stuff. So I was like, oh, I'll save it till we get back. And I haven't watched it yet. I've been really like the past couple nights after like dinner and stuff. I'm just like, I think I'm going to go to bed at like 930 or some shit. Like, oh, just, well, you're living my life. Now. I know, right? <laughs> I know. I've been getting up super early too, which sucks. But, you know, for some reason I haven't been able to make it do it. Did you watch it? Have you finished it? No, it's, so they, they're releasing one episode a week. It's oh, really frustrating. Okay. <laughs> so I would recommend waiting till they're all out, but I've, yeah, I've watched the first five episodes. Well, then I'll talk to you when I'm done with them. Yeah. And I we'll discuss it. I won't say anything about it. I mean, it's, it, for those of you who don't know, it's based on the book, which is based on the investigation into the Golden State Killer by Michelle, Michelle McNamara. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's about the story of her writing the book more than anything. Mm-hmm. And it's really emotional and mm-hmm. it's really good. But um, there was one thing in it. Hold on. There was one thing in it. Of, they keep doing this imagery of the creature from the Black Lagoon. <laughs> in like, while she's researching the book, like they keep showing scenes from that movie. Uh-huh. And have you guys ever seen it? No. I don't black think so. Lagoon. It's an old where- black and white movie about a girl who like goes swimming in like a lagoon and there's like a creature living in Oh, there yeah, yeah. The, the green sea He's like obsessed. Yeah. Uh-huh. He's obsessed with her. And I remembered that I saw that movie when I was a when I was younger and I, and it made me horny. <laughs> and I need to know if anybody else horny. felt this way. Ooh. Like if anybody else was attracted to the monster from the lagoon. Oh no, like but now I'm kind of curious. She's swimming and he's like, he's right underneath her, like mimicking her movements and watching her swim in this bathing suit in the lagoon. And it's so creepy, but it's also, I don't know why, but it Ooh, like, it's that I remember obsession. being, Wonder. I remember wondering why it, I liked it so much uh-huh. when I was younger. <laughs> yeah, That's I wonder definitely if else it. felt that way. Do you know what we did watch when we were at the beach? Ernest goes to jail, <laughs> and I don't know if you guys remember those Ernest movies yes. from when you were a kid. They hold up because my kids thought it was the funniest shit ever. They were like, "This is great." I'm like, "You know, there's like ten more of these. Let's go!" And like, we ended up watching a ton of them. We watched like maybe I'll show one to Mac. Oh my god, she... start with Ernest goes to jail because it's ridiculous. And also, Ernest goes to uh, we haven't camp. watched Ernest goes to camp yet, but we watched Ernest, Ernest goes, goes back to school. Oh my god, it's ridiculous. It's so stupid. It's just slapstick humor, but the kids loved it. They thought it was the funniest shit ever. Ernest Saves Halloween, I think, was yeah. the best one. <laughs> the one we, that me and my friend used to watch over and over again. Uh-huh. Um, I can't remember why, but I remember it being our favorite. There's probably a cute Ernest Saves there. Christmas is the best, though. If you ha- if you want to just watch a good feel-good. We actually, how about we watched a Christmas movie yesterday when we were all in there? Because my niece is here with me until the end of the week. She came home from the beach with us, and I got to take her home tomorrow. We were all in there, and I have a movie that I like to nap to. And I was like... I said, let's just put on a movie real quick. And I'll just close my eyes and I'm like, okay. And I put on the Muppets Christmas. And for some reason, that movie is so comforting to me that, you know, it's the one where like, it's the older British, Michael Caine, he's in it and he plays Ebenezer Scrooge. Yeah. And so it's that movie where it's the Muppets Scrooge. And I'll just put it on and I was like, I'm just going to cuddle down and close my eyes. And I just (laughs) took a little nap. It was great. (laughs) We watched Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure the other day. Oh, how was that? Was it good? 
Yeah, it was really funny. Yeah. And I it, there was some really funny parts in it. And, you know, like the sexual innuendos went right over Mackenzie's That's head. That's good. And yeah, because they're—I guess they're doing a remake. Yeah, they're doing a reboot. (laughs) Yeah, I think that's why I saw that, and I and I thought maybe we should watch it. We actually watched Pee Wee's Big Adventure and Pee Wee's Big Top the other day, and those are still those hold up. The kids love those too. They were like, "This is awesome!" So we watched those, and they were funny. But yeah, hit those. What have you been watching, Mel? Are you watching any reality shows? Have you you gotten your TV fixed lately? Oh, it comes Friday. It comes in Friday? Oh, thank God. It comes Friday. So, no, I haven't. Because I was traveling last week. I actually need to catch up on my shows. Oh, so. My dad watched 90 Day Fiance at the beach. And, I like, he's texting Mel about it. Like, I'm texting him <laughs> to Mel about it. And they're talking. And it's, like, it, it, it was so funny. He loves that show. But Mel it's was, addictive. like, Mel's, like, you need to get him a cameo for his birthday and get one of those people from 90 Day Fiance. She's like, I'll tell you who when it's time. So I'm definitely going to get him one. Where, like, they record the message that you can send to him, like, say, happy birthday. I'm going to do it from one of the 90 Day Fiance people. He'll lose his mind. He'll be so excited. <laughs> I think he should get Twitter, too. Because yeah. I, have, I get on Twitter just to follow the hashtags for the show. And you just go down through and you'll see if people are thinking the same thing you're thinking. That's what that's what Mel was saying. She was like, I think you should set him up a Twitter and have it follow all the all the right people and be like, here you I go. I don't even barely talk on it. Every now and then I'll answer a question. But sometimes people see stuff. They're like, did you see she was smoking? And I'm like, what? <laughs> oh, my God. All the good my mom even made a comment because he watches them so much. And she's like, well, I watch them just because they're on or they'll be in the background. I hear stuff. And she was like, there's like this 50-year-old woman that's trying to get pregnant. And I was like, what? Yeah. What is that about? Is she, is she I actually her? like her. Her name is Angela. Uh-huh. And she's with a Nigerian guy. Like, at first, when they first came on, I thought this was like a, he was trying to scam her. But now that we've been on this for a while, I think they really love each other. Really? Yeah, because he's like 30 and she's like 50. Is this so I was like, the eh, but the, the more I've seen them together, yeah, she has giant Okay, boobs. my dad was saying she has huge boobs and she was reaching down in to find stuff, like find her cell phone or something. <laughs> like, she's like reaching down in her boobs trying to find them. But she actually, she's grown on me and she's got a big heart. And I actually, I hope that he gets to come over here. So now, but she was saying she was 50 something, she's 52, is that right? And she missed her period and she was so excited because she thought it meant she was pregnant. And, but they were like, oh, honey, this is menopause. <laughs> like, oh. I know. <laughs> I felt bad for her. Aww. But she already has all these grandkids and stuff. Yeah. Who would want a baby at 52? That's, I feel like that's the point where you're like, you know what? My body's not going to gonna handle this well and another thing i liked about her was when she went over there some of the americans can be kind of prissy about stuff the culture stuff and doing some of the stuff you know we don't want to eat some things or whatever she was fully there and did everything oh wow that's great she sat with his mom she did all this stuff and it was different than a lot of times from what you see yeah yeah I like that. That's Mel's reality corner. Updated. (laughs) Do you guys have anything else or do you want to go ahead? Oh, Love After Lockup's back. What? Oh, Oh, is there more coming to bag? (laughs) New season, new couples. And I got my husband watching it with me. (laughs) When did it start? (laughs) It came back two weeks ago. Oh, shit. And like 
multiple of the guys have like seven or eight kids. What? And there's a lot of girls this time that are in prison. Ooh, I like those. That must be good. If you got, you're, you're locked up in prison. I know if you're locked up in prison and you still got people trying to get at it. (laughs) She gets out of jail and he, he made his truck into like a wedding chapel and she gets out and he's like, marry me. I feel like he's trying to trap her. I'm like, don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. He made his truck into a wedding chapel. Yeah. And even a a spot to have sex. I'm like in the back of your truck. What? He's like, we, well, she has, we only have 40 minutes. He's like, we have 40 minutes to do this because it takes 20 minutes to get to the halfway house. Oh, my <laughs> Holy God. shit. <laughs> like, okay. Oh did she do it? I don't know. I find it's out. It's cliffhanger. She did it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you know. I'm trying to get out of prison oh and have to say no to some dick. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... Like we said, uh, or like on Monday, you want to go get Love in the Wild or get, get it pre-ordered from Emma Castle. It's the Tarzan retelling that we're all really on pins and needles about. <laughs> <laughs> she also has a, a, yeah, a book called The Wilderness Within that's set during the pandemic. Not this pandemic, but a pandemic. And it is, uh, there's a, a female heroine that becomes president and saves the day. And it's really cool. So uh, definitely go check that out. Um, she also has a book called The Crinar Code, which is a sci-fi and it's set in Anna Zayer's uh, Crinar Chronicle series. So um, it looks really cool. I would just definitely go to Amazon and type in Emma Castle. And <laughs> just go just crazy. read the blurbs for her books because they're so like enticing, honestly. And if you go to readmeromance.com, you can enter to win her giveaway. She's giving away um, a, hard, a signed hardback of the Love in the Wild Tarzan retelling plus a face mask. So really cool giveaway. And we're going to play the second half of Devastate Me Now. And we'll talk to you on the other side. Bye. Bye. Chapter 3 Last night had been a big mistake. She shouldn't have let him kiss her. This move was supposed to give her time to breathe, to forget about guys and relationships, and just let her focus on herself for a bit. Yet Ophelia kept replaying that kiss over and over in her mind. She had just asked him to be friends, and he'd pulled her into his arms and given her the most amazing kiss of her entire life. She hadn't known a kiss could feel like that, like the beginning and end of the world all at the same time. Yet it had, and she couldn't look at his house anymore without thinking about that kiss. She forced her eyes away from the window and settled at her desk in the small room just off the dining room to begin her work. She logged in, and spent the next few hours reviewing customer fashion profiles and matching their needs to a variety of potential items that could be packed and shipped off, along with a personal message to each customer. When it was five o'clock, she logged off and headed to the kitchen to figure out what to do with the rest of her Sunday. The doorbell rang. Miranda was there at the door waiting, along with two other women. Miranda! Hey, Ophelia, I brought two of the gals I mentioned yesterday. This is Eliza and Jennifer. Ophelia remembered. According to Miranda, they were two of the more interesting divorcees on the street. They seemed nice, but Ophelia sensed they would love to know every little detail that Ophelia could share about Colt, now that she was living next to him. But she wouldn't talk about him if she could help it. She was determined to have Colt as her friend, and would not betray his confidence. 
The last thing she would do was tell these women about how earth-shattering his kisses were. You off work, honey? Miranda asked. I just finished for the day. What's up? We ladies have an unofficial Sunday night drink club. We would love for you to join us. Drinks did sound nice right about now. I'd like that. She followed the ladies across the street to Jennifer's home. There was a long porch in the front of the house, with cozy hanging benches and brightly covered deck chairs facing the street. Ophelia chose a chair and accepted a glass of white wine from Eliza. So, you settling in okay? Miranda asked, once everyone had drinks and was comfortably seated. Yes, I unpacked most of my stuff yesterday. Eliza leaned forward, smiling deviously. Okay, let's get to the good stuff, girls. Ophelia, we know you went over to Colt's last night. Dish, girl. It's a part of our Sunday night ladies' code. How did you— I saw you, Jennifer said. My kitchen window faces the street. Oh, boy. It's not what you think. I ran into Colt at the store, and he helped me after I tripped and fell. Eliza nodded. The tuna incident? Yeah, we heard. You heard? Ophelia didn't know whether she should laugh or shake her head. Jennifer waved a hand. Small town. Word travels, honey. Continue. Anyway, I was exhausted, and he offered to cook me dinner since he was already grilling. Wait, he offered to cook dinner? Or was he like, I'll just throw a steak on the grill? Miranda asked. Definitely the latter. Eliza sighed in disappointment. Shame. I thought for sure we'd found someone he would like. What? Ophelia prayed to God these women weren't trying to play matchmaker with Colt or her. He's our brooding resident bachelor. It's fun to see if we can catch his attention with someone, Jennifer explained. When he first moved in, I mowed my lawn in my bikini for two months just to see what he would do. I had the best tan that year, but he never gave me the time of day. Ophelia was surprised by that. Even entering their forties, both Eliza and Jennifer were gorgeous women in their own right, and they were way more confident about themselves than she was. If Colt hadn't looked at them twice, she didn't stand a chance. Then what about that kiss? That might have just been a one-time thing. Maybe it was the alcohol. Maybe it was just an opportunity he took, but instantly regretted. The thoughts made her heart sink. We thought he might be looking for someone, you know, a little younger. Ever since Miranda described you, we've all been dying to see what Colt will do. As if on cue, Colt's front door opened and he stepped outside, Noah on his heels, leashed and clearly excited. It's 5.30, girls, here we go. Miranda leaned back in her place on the swinging bench and sipped her wine. What happens at 5.30? Ophelia asked in a whisper. Colt goes running with his dog, every night at this time. They all turned to watch him head in their direction as he walked down the sidewalk toward the street. He wore basketball shorts and a tank top that showed off his perfectly toned arms. He didn't even glance their way as he started to jog, his dog keeping pace. It's got to be the military lifestyle. He rarely misses a run. Miranda kicked her legs against the porch floor to make her bench swing a little. So back to this dinner, Eliza prompted. What's his house like inside? Normal? Ophelia wasn't sure what these women expected. A bit masculine, for sure, but it's cozy and nice. His backyard is lovely, 
He really has a talent for gardening. No kinky sex dungeon? Jennifer asked. Eliza smacked her arm. What? No, I mean, I don't know. I only saw the living room, kitchen, and backyard. Ah, oh, thank goodness, that leaves the basement. I was having the best fantasies of him in one of those sex rooms with toys and stuff, Fifty Shades style. Eliza snorted. You would. If he and I were together, we wouldn't need toys. Ophelia watched Eliza and Jennifer trade barbs. Miranda rolled her eyes with an indulgent smile and continued to drink her wine. The conversation soon turned to other topics. Children, ex-husbands, the latest local scandals of who was building some god-awful shed or who was not keeping their lawns up to code. Ophelia sipped her wine and gazed at Colt's house, unable to avoid thinking about him and his bedroom and his imaginary sex dungeon and all the things that might happen there. She shouldn't fantasize about him. She really shouldn't. But it was hard not to with the images the ladies had put into her head. Ophelia didn't know what he would be like in bed, not from that one kiss, but she could imagine. The kiss had started soft and insistent, but he deepened it, and his hands, they had been everywhere. Possessive, cupping and stroking in an almost dominant way, but not quite. Would he be the kind of man who wanted to tie her up and fuck her hard? Or would he be slow and sweet, taking his time to draw out an endless orgasm? The only thing she was sure of after that one kiss was that he would devastate her. After her breakup with Jack, she wasn't sure she wanted a man to have that kind of power over her again. And she hadn't even been wildly in love with Jack. They had enjoyed being together, but it was more like companionship than love. And yet being dumped by him had hurt so much. The idea of liking a man even more than that, of loving someone and getting her heart broken, that was the last thing she needed. Colt would have to devastate her only in her deepest, darkest fantasies. Colt was determined to be on his best behavior. He had made it a full two months now without kissing Ophelia since she had moved in. Everything felt almost normal. Almost. He had gotten into the habit of taking walks in the morning with Noah, and one morning Ophelia had just sort of joined him. Now they'd been meeting up to walk every day since. Then it had seemed only natural that he'd come over to her house a few times a week to help weed her front flower beds. He'd also carried bags of mulch for her, since she was so damn small. They'd had drinks at her place more than once, and he'd found himself talking about his past, his parents, the rough times he'd had as a teen, and how he'd ended up in the Navy. In turn, she'd told him all about her life back in Portland, and how she'd gotten burned out working for a fancy fashion designer who'd yelled at everyone all the time. Colt had never laughed so hard as when she told stories about the fashion industry and all the crazy personalities involved. They really had become friends, just as Ophelia had told him she'd wanted. Colt, to his own surprise, didn't mind that at all. In fact, it gave him an incentive to get up in the mornings. Noah was crazy about Ophelia, and had apparently decided that his training to stay in place or heal did not apply whenever Ophelia was in sight. Colt wasn't mad. He could understand the dog's desire to bound up to her and lick her. 
Hell, he had the same desire to run up and grab her and kiss her senseless. He had done nothing since the night of the kiss two months ago, but fantasize about Ophelia naked and making love to her until she cried out in exhausted pleasure. The fantasies didn't stop there. He was not a man who was shy in bed. He could be rough and playful, sweet or dirty, depending on his mood, and he kept running through every delicious scenario he could imagine of how he would taste Ophelia. Colt had never jacked off in the shower so much in his life as he had since she had moved in. He'd become as horny as some teen, getting hard at the sight of her just walking to her mailbox, or while she watered her potted plants in her backyard, and he could hear her humming. The woman was a damn temptation, and if he didn't keep his shit together, he would give in to his need. In order to stay out of trouble, he'd been visiting the VA center almost every other day after work, and it was where he was headed now to keep his thoughts decidedly away from the tempting girl next door. I think you're coming here too often, Nancy teased, as he and Noah walked into the center. You can't ever spend too much time with your fellow veterans, he replied, and he meant it. The veterans in their country were always forgotten. They'd served and sacrificed, and went silent while others whined about shit they wouldn't even have if not for people like them who'd kept them safe. The irony was how that same tough silence meant they were increasingly overlooked by the public, and far too often by the government. The thought always made Colt furious. Hey, turn that frown upside down, Nancy teased. Tell me what's going on. You've been amped up for the last couple of months. Colt leaned against the wall of the lobby, which had filled with veterans who came to visit Noah. Just neighborhood shit, he grumbled. Are those divorcees mowing their lawns in bikinis again, you poor baby? Nancy's playful sarcasm didn't go unnoticed. Have you ever thought about dating again? You would put off those nosy neighbors, and you might actually have a good time yourself. You weren't born to be a monk, Colt. God gave you that body so women could enjoy it. He definitely wasn't born to be a monk, but the woman he wanted didn't deserve a casual hookup. Ophelia was the kind of girl a man married and worshipped the rest of his life, and Colt wasn't sure he was ready for that after Talia. Nance, what Dean and Talia did, it sucks, I know, but not every woman is like her. Most of us are pretty damn loyal and awesome. She gave him a pointed look, and he curled an arm around her shoulders. You are awesome, Nance. Why don't I just date you? She laughed heartily and nudged him in the ribs with an elbow. I'm flattered, but you aren't my type, honey. I like him with blonde hair and blue eyes. Her gaze betrayed her as she watched a tall, blonde-haired man roughing up Noah's fur, much to the dog's enjoyment. The man had one leg amputated below the knee, and he was wearing a prosthetic limb. Don't tell me you're shy, Colt teased. Maybe a little, at least with that hottie, Nancy admitted. Hey, bro, Colt called out. Nancy gasped and tried to run away, but Colt held her in place. Nancy here wants to go out with you. The man took one look at Nancy and came right over. I'm going to kill you, Colt, Nancy warned, before turning on her bright smile as the soldier joined them. Colt took the opportunity to retrieve Noah, and then they headed to the parking lot. He was just putting Noah in the truck when someone called his name. He closed his truck door and turned, expecting to see someone from the center. 
Colt's hands clenched at his sides as he recognized the man. Dean Griffin walked toward him, his hands held up, obviously hoping to avoid a fight. Hey, man, I've been trying to call you for months. I blocked your number. The last thing he wanted was to talk to the man who had ruined his life. Just give me a minute, okay? Dean begged. Colt looked down and saw the glint of silver on Dean's ring finger. You married her, didn't you? God, this day was going to shit fast. Yeah, I did, but... Colt threw three punches before Dean could finish. The blows sent Dean sprawling on his ass. Fuck! Dean gripped his face with one hand, spitting blood. You and your fucking haymakers, Colt. Christ! I forgot how much I hated fighting with you. He climbed to his feet and stood there, his guard lowered. Go ahead. Hit me, man. I owe you that. For a second, Colt's pulse spiked as his blood roared in his ears, but Noah's barking interrupted his building adrenaline. He calmed. Dean wasn't the enemy. He was a cheating asshole, nothing more. I'm sorry, Colt. I fucked it all up. I betrayed you. I betrayed our friendship. I know what we had is gone, but I had to find you and tell you I'm sorry. That's all. Dean was quiet, honest, and for the first time, Colt felt the hot anger inside him begin to fade. I heard you'd been looking for me. How did you find me? That's talk, Dean chuckled. You weren't that hard to find. I drove two hours to get here, but it was worth it. He held his jaw. Well, except for that part. Colt sighed. So, you and Talia. Married six months ago. Dean smiled wryly. She's pushing me to go after promotions. You always were more ambitious than me. I suppose, Dean agreed. Anyway, I'm sorry I surprised you. It's fine. Now. If he had seen Dean two months ago, Colt would have thrown more than one punch. But things had changed. He had changed. Somehow, that one kiss with Ophelia had set something in motion. He wasn't quick to change, but he was like molten lava beneath the surface, rolling, tumbling, burning, and perpetually changing inside. I wish things had turned out different, said Dean. Yeah, but they didn't, and maybe it's for the best. Dean held out a hand to Colt, who stared at it for a long second. He thought of Ophelia, and what she would want him to do. And then he placed his palm in Dean's, giving it a shake before letting go. Well, I should go. Dean nodded at him and turned to walk away. Take care, Dean. You too, man. Colt gave himself a moment before he got into his truck and drove home. It was early evening when he pulled into his driveway. Ophelia was out in her front yard, spreading mulch in the beds planted against her house. The sight of her cute butt in the air as she bent over made him smile, and he got hard thinking of all the sweet, wicked things he could do if she was bent over in front of him. Maybe Nancy was right. Maybe he was brave enough to trust his heart to someone again. Maybe it was time. She waved when she saw him. Hey, Colt! She came over, and her vibrant smile began to fade. What happened to your hand? She removed her gardening gloves and tossed them to the ground. What? He looked down and saw the knuckles of his right hand were bruised and bloody. Let me see. 
She took his hand and pulled it toward her. You have a first aid kit? He nodded toward his place. In the house. Let's get you cleaned up. She grasped his wrist so as not to hurt him. God, she was sweet. He was perfectly capable of tending to himself, but he didn't want to give her a reason to leave. He let Noah into the house first, and then retrieved his first aid kit from the bathroom. So, you want to tell me what happened? Ophelia asked. She took the kit from him, and they headed into the kitchen where the light was best. She opened the lid with a frown, and removed two packets of alcohol wipes and some antibacterial cream. I hit someone. Her eyes flashed in surprise. You did? He rubbed the back of his neck with one hand, feeling an unexpected wave of shame. Yeah. Care to fill me in on the details? She held his injured hand and carefully wiped away the blood. It stung, but he'd had worse, far worse. Her gentle fingers on his skin could have eased any pain. I... He was going to brush it off or tell a white lie, but he decided against it. I had a fiancé a few years back. While I was on my last tour, she slept with someone else. I just ran into the guy today at the VA center. Ophelia stilled, her hands frozen around his. You were engaged? Yeah. He wanted to cup her chin and raise it up. He wanted her to look at him. It was a long time ago. He was my best friend since we were teenagers. That's why I punched him. Ophelia gently squeezed his hand before she began to spread antibacterial cream on his knuckles. Oh, God, that's awful. When she was done, he flexed his fingers. The bruises would be dark tomorrow, but he would heal. He always healed, even if it left a hell of a scar. Is she why you don't date anymore? Ophelia turned away as she asked the question, and her cheeks darkened with a blush. She was. When she looked back at him, he stared meaningfully at her. But I was thinking of getting back out there again. Oh? He could hear her faint response, and he couldn't resist smiling. This woman made him want to smile all the damn time. Yeah. My type, in case you're wondering, is small and curvy, with doe-brown eyes and raven-black hair. Ophelia's lips parted, and he crowded her against the kitchen island. His hands caged her hips in, and she shivered. The clean, floral scent of her shampoo, mixed with her natural feminine aroma, went straight to his head. His eyes drifted along her face, from the curve of her kissable lips to the swell of her breasts beneath the tank top she wore, and the gentle indentation of her collarbone. Colt used his finger to tilt her chin up. Then he leaned down to kiss her. The second before their lips met, he felt the heady anticipation of his lips touching hers. He'd never wanted a kiss so much in his entire life. Then the distance between their mouths closed, and the world exploded in a rush of pleasure and sweetness. The more he kissed her, the more he would crave her, but she was worth the risk. He was a man who'd fought for his country, and now he had to fight for her heart, and that was a battle he couldn't afford to lose. Chapter 4 God, this man! 
The euphoric thought drifted through Ophelia's mind as she kissed Colt back in his cozy kitchen. She thought of what he had said, how his heart had been broken, and how he wanted to risk love again. With her, what woman would be crazy enough to turn that down? She had wanted this man from the moment she had first seen him mowing his lawn. She curled her arms around his neck and squealed as he hoisted her up and set her down on the polished granite surface of the kitchen island. It brought her mouth level with his for deeper kisses. She spread her legs, and he stepped between them, pushing himself against her as he cradled her head while he ravaged her lips with his. His kisses were rough, hungry, unapologetic. There was nothing better than a man kissing her like he didn't care about anything else. Her last boyfriend had kissed her like he just wanted to get straight to sex, not like those kisses were fueling his passion. Colt kissed her like he had to, like kissing her was the only thing keeping him alive. It was a rush unlike anything she'd ever experienced. Her head swam as she tried to catch her breath, and she clung to his massive shoulders. After a few minutes, their mouths parted, and he leaned back to look at her. Then he reached for the hem of her tank top and began to lift it up. His lips pursed as he took his time forcing some control over the need she knew they were both feeling. He tossed the shirt away and gazed at her sensible bra as though she were a victorious secret model. Colt traced a finger down her chest to the edge of the bra cups before he pulled one down, exposing one breast and then the other. Her nipples pebbled in the chilled air, and he flicked one, then did the same to the other. Without a word, he bent his head and covered an aching breast with his mouth, sucking the nipple between his lips. Sharp, violent need pierced Ophelia's core, and she gasped, the sound filling the silence of the kitchen. He sucked harder, his beard brushing against her sensitive skin, tickling her. Ophelia was incapable of speech. She could only moan and clutch Colt's head, digging her fingers into the strands of his hair and tugging in encouragement. Colt tortured each breast with pleasure until her nipples were hard and wet from his attention, and then he laid her flat on the counter. When she tried to rise, he pressed a palm on her chest, urging her back down. He unfastened her shorts and slid them off. She whimpered in anticipation as he peeled her panties off and bent between her spread thighs. Small, hot kisses to her inner thighs were her only way of knowing what he intended before he kissed her clit, then licked her slit. She nearly bowed off the counter as she lost herself to him, to the exquisite pleasures of this man and the way he used his mouth on her. He ran his tongue over her folds, which were very wet and impossibly sensitive. She'd never been so turned on in her life. There was something about his intense sexual focus and the complete silence from him except for his hard breathing fanning over her sensitive skin. None of her fantasies had prepared her for this, not one. He licked at her clit while he inserted one finger into her. It was tight, but it felt so good for him to enter her. She just wished it was his cock. She wriggled a little, trying to encourage more from him without using words. Colt didn't relent. He drew a gasping climax from her, and just as she started to come down from the rolling waves of pleasure, she felt something nudge at her entrance. She lifted her head to see that he had opened his pants and rolled a condom onto his thick shaft.
before starting to push into her. Dear God, he's not going to fit. He's monstrous. He... Colt thrust into her, feeding his cock into her inch by inch. She closed her fingers around the edge of the counter as she struggled to take him in. He was halfway inside when he thrust hard and was fully seated inside her. Ophelia couldn't speak. There were no words to describe the exquisite fullness. There was only him and this feeling of connection. He gazed down at her, his hazel eyes dark with lust. His hands gripped her legs, holding her thighs wide. She'd never felt more vulnerable in her life. He could fuck her ruthlessly, and she was in no position to stop him. Not that she wanted to. Whatever Colt saw in her eyes, he seemed to see her agree to whatever he wanted. He drew in a deep breath before he began to fuck her hard. She slid on the counter, and he kept hold of her while he jackhammered into her like a man possessed. She cried out over and over, each time he filled her almost to the point of pain. Every fear, every hurt, every heartbreak from the last few months faded to nothing as Colt made love to her wildly, dangerously. This time her orgasm was so violent, so exquisite, that she actually screamed. Colt roared in response, the sound reverberating clear through her as he unleashed all of his strength into her with a few more thrusts before everything went still. His fingers dug into her thighs, but the hold soon eased, and she sank back onto the counter, too limp to move. She couldn't even lift her head to see his face. He held still inside of her for what felt like forever, and she almost cried out when he withdrew from her body. She didn't want that connection to end. He threw the condom away, and then cleaned them both with a towel before he helped her sit up. She blushed as he fixed his jeans, and then cupped her face to press a slow, sweet kiss to her lips. When they broke apart, she suddenly blurted out, Please come over for dinner. I was planning to cook, and I want to cook for you. For a moment, his gaze was unreadable. Then he slowly smiled. That sounds nice. What time? Uh, give me two hours? She needed to shower, then run to the store for a few things, dress up, and cook. Okay. Want me to bring anything? She beamed at him. No, just you. She felt ridiculously happy, and she knew she should be embarrassed. But right now that was impossible. All right. He helped her off the counter, and she put her clothes back on. Great. See you in a few hours. She kissed his cheek and rushed out of his house. Ophelia showered, dressed, and rushed to the store to get ingredients for an Instant Pot barbecue beef recipe. When she got back to her car, rain was splashing in torrents down her windows. It was dark by the time she pulled into her garage. She'd always loved storms and kept her garage door open as she unloaded the groceries from her trunk. The bags were in her arms, and she took a moment to watch the lightning illuminate the street as the rain moved in winding waves across the pavement. She turned away, but the sight of a battered old car pulling into her driveway made her turn back. She didn't know anyone who drove a car like that, and she wasn't expecting anyone either. A chill raced down her spine, and she ran for the garage door leading into her house. She hit the button on the wall to close the garage door, but it bounced back up when the sensors were triggered by movement. Ophelia screamed as two men rushed her in the dark. 
She threw the grocery bags at one man and got inside, but she couldn't get the door closed. One of them had wedged his boot in the door, and then he hit her hard in the shoulder. Pain lanced up her body as she kept trying to get the door shut. There was a shout on the other side of the door, and suddenly it was flung wide as one of them crashed into it, sending her sprawling on her back. Her head hit the floor, and she groaned as she tried to roll over onto her hands and knees. One of the men grabbed her head and slammed it down on the floor. Fucking bitch! White dots flashed in the blackness behind her eyes. Grab what you can and load it in the car, the man snapped. I'll take care of her. Pain flowed through her as she became aware of hands gripping her wrists and dragging her along the floor into the living room. She cried out as a boot sank hard into her side. The man was kicking her, though the realization came to her through a dark, frightening tunnel that left her stunned. Why was this happening? P please stop, she begged. Shut the fuck up. A blow smacked her face to the side, and blood filled her mouth from her split lip. Stop fucking around, asshole, the other man said. I need you to help carry the TV. It's too big. Ophelia tried to breathe. She was being robbed. The men were using the storm to cover it up. While they were busy with the TV, she had only a minute at most to move, to get to her phone or hide. Her fuzzy mind struggled to make a decision. Phone. Get the phone. She crawled around the back of her couch toward the kitchen. The sounds of crashing and cursing grew distant behind her. She was going to make it. She- Hey, where's the bitch? I don't know. Fucking find her! She heard footsteps, and suddenly strong hands grabbed her ankles. She screamed, just as a fist knocked her into terrifying nothingness. Noah was sitting on the couch that backed up to Colt's living room window. His tail wagged as he saw Ophelia's car pull into the driveway. Colt scratched the dog behind the ears. She must have made a run to the store, Colt explained to the German shepherd. The rain outside was coming down hard enough that visibility was poor. He had seen only Ophelia's car lights, but it was enough to know it was her. Lightning flashed a moment later, as an old sedan with no lights on pulled into Ophelia's driveway. Noah whined and shifted restlessly, before he suddenly growled low at the back of his throat. Colt waited for the next flash of lightning, wondering who Ophelia had over. Then he saw two men run into her open garage. Every instinct warned him that Ophelia was in danger. He ran to the front door, opened it, and shouted a command at Noah. Protect! The dog shot out the door, and Colt was right behind him. Noah would protect Ophelia. He had been trained well with that command. God help whoever tried to hurt her now, because the dog would tear them apart. Colt reached the garage and saw the open door into the house. Inside he heard a man scream and Noah snarling. The report of a gun made Colt flinch as he crept into the house. His breathing was fast, out of fear for Ophelia, but his instincts were still good, and his fists were ready for anything. As he peered around the wall into the living room, he saw the shattered flat screen on the floor and one man struggling with Noah. The dog had a hold on the man's arm and was hanging on for dear life. Shoot him, Randy! screamed the man Noah was biting. The other man held a gun and was trying to find a way to shoot the dog to free his friend from the dog's bite. But Noah was jerking and tugging on the arm, making it hard for the second man to aim at him without shooting the first man. I can't. I might shoot you, 
Colt charged the man with the gun from the side and took him down like he was sacking a quarterback. They hit the ground, and the gun was knocked from the man's hand. Colt hit the man twice before the sound of Noah yelping pulled his attention away. Noah still hung onto the other man's arm, but the man held a bloody knife. Colt surged to his feet and jumped the second robber, grabbing his wrist in one hand and his neck with the other, crashing his head against the wall. The man's eyes rolled back into his head, and he slumped to the ground. Release, Colt ordered the dog. Noah let go of the man's arm, and thankfully he didn't seem to be gravely injured. Find Ophelia, Noah. The dog started sniffing, and Colt drew in a deep breath as he pulled his cell phone out and dialed 911. 911, what's your emergency? My neighbor was attacked by two men. I brought my therapy dog, and we stopped them. I need the police and an ambulance. He was breathing hard as he followed Noah into Ophelia's bedroom. He saw her legs sticking out from the other side of the bed and nearly dropped his phone as terror swept through him. Do you see your neighbor? Is this person hurt? I just found her. Hang on. He put the phone on speaker as he came around the bed. Ophelia was lying on her side, her hands bound with an electrical cord that had been ripped from a lamp off her nightstand. A dishcloth was stuffed into her mouth, and her face was bruised and bloody. Cuts and scratches covered her bare legs. Sir? The emergency operator spoke to him. Colt knelt and pulled the sock from her mouth, then checked for a pulse. His hand was shaking, and his blood was pounding so hard that it took a few seconds for him to calm down. Her pulse was steady, but not as strong as it should be. My neighbor, she's unconscious. They bound and gagged her. They beat her bad. Please, get that ambulance here, he pleaded. Noah limped closer, sniffing at Ophelia's sandal-clad feet. He whimpered softly before he lay down. Police and an ambulance are on the way. What is the status of the two men who attacked your neighbor? Unconscious. I'm former military. I subdued them. His tone reverted to how he would have spoken to his old commanding officer. Stay there. Officers are approaching the residence now. The sound of sirens grew louder. Colt remained where he was on the floor of Ophelia's bedroom, one hand on Noah's collar and the other on Ophelia's wrist to keep monitoring her pulse. Here, he shouted when he heard officers calling from the doorway of the house. We're in here. He waited for the police to enter, the flashlights on top of their guns suddenly trained on him. He already had one hand raised. I can't release my dog, not until he feels safe. Colt explained with a nod to the dog. Understood. What's your name, sir? One of the officers approached. Colt Henshaw. I live next door. He slowly stood and backed away so the officer could get to Ophelia. Rick? The officer shouted, looking her over. Check to see where that ambulance is, now. On it, the other officer shouted back. Can you tell me what happened? The officer asked Colt. Colt had just finished relaying the events when the EMTs arrived. They knelt by Ophelia and checked her over, then loaded her onto a stretcher and strapped her down. I need to go with them. He started to leave, but the officer held him back with a hand. We need to take a statement first. Colt looked to the man, his hands clenching. You can do it at the hospital. She's my girlfriend. I'm going to follow the ambulance as soon as I can get my neighbor to take my dog to the emergency vet. The officer's eyes narrowed. Girlfriend? You said she was your neighbor. She's both. He whistled to Noah, who healed by his side as they followed the paramedics. 
While the EMTs prepared to put Ophelia inside the ambulance, Colt knelt and checked out Noah's injury, which didn't seem that deep. You okay, boy? He murmured as he gently examined the injury. Noah simply panted softly, but he didn't seem to be in a great deal of pain. Colt hated to have to choose between taking his dog to the vet and going with Ophelia, but Noah seemed in better shape. Colt, what happened? Miranda ran up to him as she spotted him and Noah. He briefly told her what happened, and she agreed to take Noah to the nearby emergency vet and call him as soon as the vet looked the dog over. Is she going to be okay? Colt asked the paramedics as they loaded Ophelia into the ambulance. The two paramedics flashed him pitying looks. She's stable, but we won't know for sure until we get her to the ER. The sirens started up, and Colt rushed to his truck to follow them to the hospital. Colt had only one look at Ophelia's bruised and battered body on the gurney, and a pain far greater than any he'd ever experienced tore at his insides like a raging beast. He could lose her when he'd finally been brave enough to open his heart. Ophelia came awake in bits and pieces, drifting in and out like waves on the shore, pulling her closer to the surface. When she was finally able to open her eyes, the room was dark and hospital machines beeped softly. She didn't try to move. Something inside her knew she would hurt worse if she did. Her dry lips were cracked and she struggled to swallow. A figure lounged in a chair near the bed. His face was silhouetted by the moonlight coming in from the window. Colt! Her hoarse voice sounded like she'd swallowed gravel, and it hurt to speak. Colt stirred awake and glanced at her. His eyes widened. Ophelia! That single utterance, so full of hope and worry, dug into her heart. Water? she asked. He got up and picked up her plastic water mug and held it to her lips. She drank a little before he set the mug down and reached up to stroke her hair, only to freeze in place. God, I'm afraid to touch you, he murmured. What happened? Memories of what had happened were still fuzzy and came more in flashes than clear pictures. Two men followed you into your house. I saw them go into the garage. When Noah and I got there... They'd already hurt you. I'm so sorry, sweetheart. I should have been there. He looked devastated, as if he were somehow responsible. Pain created black shadows in his eyes. What happened to the men? Arrested, both of them. The police suspect they're responsible for half a dozen home invasions in the area. She closed her eyes for a moment. Good. The hospital performed a rape kit, he said quietly. I had to tell them we were dating and that we had sex earlier that day. Do you remember if they hurt you that way? She shook her head. She only remembered trying to crawl to the phone. The doctor doesn't think they did, but we weren't sure if you remembered anything. I was positive I got to them before anything happened, but... Colt. She didn't know what she wanted to say. She was so tired and still in pain. God, Ophelia, I'm so damn sorry. It's not your fault. She started to close her eyes. I'm tired and need to rest. Colt started to stand. I'll go then. No, please stay. He moved his chair closer to the bed and laced his fingers with hers. It was like a lifeline in the dark storm of her body's pain. I'll stay. Thank you. She managed a weak smile as she drifted off to sleep. 
She thought, or perhaps dreamed, that he said he loved her. Chapter 5 Ophelia peered out of the window of Colt's truck as he pulled into her driveway. After a week in the hospital, she was finally home, and God, it felt good not to have to spend another night in a stiff hospital bed. Noah sat between her and Colt, his tongue lolling out as he watched his owner open the driver's side door. The shepherd had a bandage around his upper leg and a few minor stitches, but like Colt had hoped, the dog's injury had been more of a glancing scrape than a serious injury. Ophelia rested one hand on the dog's shoulders. Noah out! Colt stepped out of the truck, and the shepherd leapt past him onto the ground. Ophelia opened her door, but before she could get down, Colt was there with his hands on her hips as he gently set her on her feet. Despite his gruff demeanor, he was always such a gentleman around her. It was so sweet and sexy at the same time. She hated to admit it. It always felt like she had to hand in her feminist card when she thought along those lines. But she liked it when Colt opened a door for her. It felt respectful, and she liked that in a man. Even her last boyfriend had always been a gentleman. But Colt had taken it to a whole new level while he'd cared for her in the hospital. You know I can walk, right? She teased. I know. The sudden tenderness in Colt's gaze stilled her heart. I just like to get my hands on you whenever I can. Oh, in that case, maybe I can't walk so well. Ophelia! Miranda rushed across the street to greet them. Oh, honey, you look so much better. She gave Ophelia a gentle hug. The gals will be thrilled to know that you're home. Miranda then looked to Colt. Thank you for taking care of our girl. She hugged the big, gruff Navy seal and shot Ophelia a wink. I don't mind. She's not too high maintenance, Colt said with a straight face. High maintenance, huh? Ophelia replied. And to think, I had dreamed up some great ways to pay you back for such dedicated attention. His way of keeping her distracted from the pain of recovering had been by telling her all the dirty fantasies he'd had about her between that first kiss and when they'd finally made love. She'd never been so excited to get home in her life, because she didn't plan on waiting a second longer to be alone with him. Now she had his full attention, and his eyes glowed with desire. Oh, care to share any, sweetheart? I better let you two settle in. I'll see you tomorrow night for drinks. Miranda smirked. Assuming you can walk. Ophelia blushed. Thanks, Miranda. In the past week, Colt had made it very clear that they were officially dating and she'd heard from nearly every one of the women who lived on their quiet little street once word spread. One group text with Miranda, Jennifer, and Eliza had been filled with dozens of completely inappropriate questions, which she had read aloud to Colt. It had made her laugh, even though that had hurt her ribs, and he'd sat there frowning and grumbling about women, margaritas, and bikinis in the most adorable way. Colt put a gentle arm around her waist, Let's go inside and continue this discussion. The second she entered her house, she stiffened as she searched for signs of blood and broken glass, or any evidence of what had happened. There was no hint of the epic struggle that had occurred. You okay? Colt asked, as he held her close. Yeah, I just expected to see the mess, you know? I had a few friends come in and fix everything while you were in the hospital. Even the TV? 
she saw a TV sitting on the stand, ready to be turned on. She thought the robbers had broken it. No, I bought you a new one. I hope you don't mind. He was watching her with increased concern. No, I don't, but I insist on paying you back for that. She realized it was actually bigger than her old TV. How many inches is that? Mine was forty-two inches. He looked at his boots like a guilty schoolboy. Uh, sixty-five? I just figured that if I was going to be spending time over here, we should have a bigger screen. She couldn't deny that she liked the sound of we when he said it like that. I really do have to pay you back for that. She was going to insist on it. Okay, I'll let you, he said carefully. But you're welcome to see it as a get-well gift. Ophelia stared around the room for a long moment, letting the awful memories wash over her. The trauma therapist at the hospital had told her to relive the attack, and more importantly, relive the surviving of it. She gently pulled free of Colt and walked through the living room to her bedroom. She had only dim memories of Colt speaking to her, touching her, and the paramedics shining a bright light into her pupils. Colt had held her hand the entire time. Noah walked ahead of Ophelia with a slight limp in his front right leg. Ophelia felt forever bound to the big dog for rushing in so fearlessly to defend her. He had saved her life. Next week, she would face the two men who'd attacked her at their arraignment hearing. She wanted to look them both in the eyes and let them see that she was not afraid of them. Ophelia's gaze went to the spot on the floor in her bedroom where she'd been found, and then she looked to Colt as he filled the doorway. God, he was gorgeous, and he was all hers. That fact still made her smile, and she held out a hand to him. You okay? Yes, I was just reliving the incident, remembering that you and Noah saved me. I'm alive and well, thanks to you both. He gathered her in his arms, and she buried her face against his throat. She had no desire to move from his arms, and if she could have, she would have stayed there forever. Do you want me to stay with you tonight? he asked. He pressed his lips to the crown of her hair. I can stay on the couch. Yes, I'd like that, but you won't be on the couch. The soft press of their bodies reminded her of how much she wanted him. It had been a cruel twist of fate that she'd had one day with him before being hurt so badly in the attack. She lifted her head. Colt? He looked down at her, one hand threaded through her hair in a way that felt wonderful. Hmm? He was always doing that, finding sweet little ways to keep his hands on her. She felt loved. She felt desired. Will you take me to bed? Sweetheart, I don't think... Just go slow and I'll be okay. Please, I just need to be with you. His warm, hazel eyes were shrouded with uncertainty, and his dark hair fell across his forehead, making him look bashful and charming in a way she'd never expected from her fierce neighbor. She bit her bottom lip and looked up at him. Don't make me beg. But I don't want to hurt you. You won't. I'm a tough cookie. That you are. Should we go to my house? He looked to the spot where he'd found her on the floor. No, here. I want to replace the bad memories with good ones. Okay, but if you need to stop at any time, you tell me. He pulled off his shirt, and she slipped out of her sandals. Ophelia unbuttoned her blouse and slipped out of her shorts and panties, then removed her bra as he finished kicking off his boots, socks, and jeans. 
She sat on the bed completely naked, and he joined her. His gaze swept over her, his desire making his eyes as warm as melted honey. You're so beautiful and so brave. You know that, don't you? He cupped the back of her head for a slow, deep kiss that made her toes curl. Am I? she asked. She traced his collarbone with her fingers, and his lips curved into a smile that was half hidden beneath his beard. Braver than anyone I know. He leaned in to kiss her again, and the sweetness of that kiss burned her in the best way. She was wild for Colt, more than any man she'd ever been with, and yet it wasn't just desire she felt. She had a feeling that the quiet, calm depth of her affection for him was something infinitely more, like love. For too long, she'd been letting herself live a reserved life, even with the men in her past relationships. Now, she did indeed feel brave. Colt. She curled her arms around his neck and pulled him down so he covered her body with his. Yeah? He swept his eyes over her with a wistful expression as he cupped her face. His thumb brushed over her cheek as she parted her thighs and he settled between them. I think I'm falling in love with you. There, she'd done it. She'd exposed herself and left her heart wide open. I think I am too with you, he replied, his voice a little rough. I didn't want to, not after my last relationship, but I couldn't help myself, and I don't regret that for a minute. His body heat seeped into her, and she wound her arms around his back, holding him close as he kissed her again. They made love, slow and tender, and yet with intensity and passion. Ophelia felt a radiant light glowing inside her. Their breaths mixed in silent intimacy, broken only by soft sighs and the sound of their skin sliding against the sheets. Even being gentle, Colt still managed to overwhelm her with his sensual intensity. He left no part of her unexplored, no part of her unkissed. She giggled as he searched for the ticklish spots behind her knees and just below her arms along her sides. His responding chuckle of delight to her reactions was music to her ears. It was a gift to have a partner to share sweet moments like this with. She'd always wanted that, but had never truly experienced it before. When he finally entered her, she was trembling with need and quiet euphoria. This was no frantic coupling. It was measured and slow, but no less powerful than the first time they had come together. Colt pinned her hands in the bedding and rode her body slowly, holding her gaze as he filled her deeply with each thrust. He stole a kiss every few seconds, but he seemed determined not to look away as her climax hit. Her toes curled, and her back arched as the orgasm scorched clear down to her soul. Colt's body tensed as he spilled himself inside her. After that, they stayed connected a long moment, both lost in the intense moment of true oneness, neither of them wanting to let go of it first. Ophelia looked up at him, her body lax as she coaxed him to lie down beside her. Then she nestled up against him. Everything terrible that had happened in this room lost its hold over her. There was only this peaceful joy, this sense of connectedness to Colt. She had some regrets in life, of course, but none with him. And that was all that mattered. One month later... Colt was strangely nervous as he parked his truck in the VA lot. 
Noah and Ophelia were with him. It was the first time he'd brought Ophelia here, and he wondered what she would think. Seeing wounded veterans could be hard on some people, and in some cases it didn't affect a person at all, which was somehow worse. He wasn't testing Ophelia, not exactly, but he did need to see how she handled his world. He and Noah belonged with the veterans, and helping them mattered. Any woman he wanted to spend the rest of his life with would need to understand this part of him, as well as the wounded men and women who'd served this country. You ready? he asked her. Of course. She handed him Noah's leash, and they headed for the entrance. The usual gathering was in the lobby, waiting for Noah to arrive at his expected time. They're really all here for him? Ophelia asked. They are. When we serve in dangerous locations, we have trained working dogs with us. I can't quite put it into words, but a dog makes you feel like you're home. Safe. It makes the soldiers feel more connected to the dog, the mission, and each other. When they see Noah here, I don't know, it just helps the emotional healing somehow. His throat constricted as he explained. He'd always known it in his gut, but he'd never been able to put it into words until now. It's incredible. Ophelia's tone was one of genuine pride. Ever since the attack, she'd lost all fear of Noah, and he'd taken to following her around whenever he wasn't under orders to stay put. Their unlikely alliance had Colt smiling. Well, hello there, stranger. Nancy walked over to him. I thought you'd forgotten all about us. Not in a million years, said Colt. Her eyes lit up when she saw Ophelia. Is this who I think it is? Nancy, this is Ophelia. Ophelia, this is Nancy. Ophelia smiled. It's so nice to meet you. Did you serve with Colt? No, but we've known each other for a couple of years now, ever since he started coming to the center. I didn't know he's been coming here that long. Ophelia looked to him in amazement. Yeah, he started coming here almost the day he moved in. Nancy nudged Colt playfully. It felt a bit like home being around the other vets. Colt explained. I didn't feel the need to hide or put up barriers. He couldn't believe he was admitting that to Ophelia, but he wanted her to know why this place mattered to him. Nancy caught a passing veteran with a wave. Hey, Jeremy, why don't you introduce Ophelia to the guys? Ophelia left with Jeremy, holding Noah's leash, to meet Colt's friends. So, let's hear it. Nancy looked at him expectantly. Hear what? Admit it. I was right. You took my advice and got back into the game. And damn, honey, you did good. She's as sweet and adorable as you said. Nancy patted his arm. Colt smiled. She's also brave as fucking hell. She was attacked in a home invasion a month ago. Almost died, but she came back even stronger. She's not even bitter. She's like a breath of fresh air, but like air I can't live without. That doesn't make sense, does it? Nancy's eyes softened. Sure it does. You love her, simple as that. I do. I think I fell in love with her from the start, but when she was lying in that hospital bed, I realized I was all in for her. All in is good. Nancy gave him a push. You better go rescue your girl before all those handsome soldiers start hitting on her. Colt joined Ophelia, who was talking to the vets, and asking them about their families and their interests and how their recovery was going. She fit so perfectly into his life. He never imagined that he would feel that way after Talia. But with Ophelia, it was simple. He loved her. She loved him. Everything else was just details. 
When they were done and leaving the center, Ophelia slid her hand into his. Noah trotted at their side as they walked back to the truck. You didn't mind seeing the vets? No, they're amazing like you, she smiled. Speaking of vets, my dad wants to meet you and see the center if that's okay. He and my mom are coming to visit next weekend. Colt chuckled. Sure, after my three tours overseas, I think I can face a protective dad, so long as you're at my side. She giggled. I told him he has to behave, since I'm crazy in love with you. Colt stopped her, pinning her against the side of his truck and stealing a kiss. I'm crazy in love with you, too. You devastate me, sweetheart. I hope that's a good thing. She snuggled against him, kissing his neck before pulling his head down for a deep, lingering kiss. Oh, it's a very good thing, he said as he captured her mouth again. This woman was the answer to every question he might have for the universe. She was his future, his life, and he couldn't wait to start living again. This has been Devastate Me by Emma Castle. Read for you by P.J. Morgan. And we're back. Hey. Hi. I just, so this is the craziest thing. I I have these books that, so the, I don't know if you guys have ever heard of the chapters app. Yeah, which yeah. Is like, uh -huh. basically yeah. like a choose your own adventure with romance books and they're cartoons, but they're hot. It's weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's weird, but cool. And a bunch of my books are on there. And so I started, I, I'm starting to get tagged in uh, Instagram accounts that are solely dedicated to like taking screen grabs or creating teasers from these books. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> they like put a cartoon head on a real <laughs> body. That adds really up. really cool. <laughs> and I like it. And, uh, but it, it like sometimes it t catches me off guard. Yeah, I wasn't expecting. <laughs> I was not expecting to see it's that. It's crazy that like, the people that like these, uh, like this chapters game are like, they really. They're like crazy. It. And you know, we've had people message us before that were just like, I don't like how this ended. Da, da, da. And I was like, well, that's not the ending in the book. No control over it. No. Yeah. I'm like, I'm sorry. That's not how we wrote it at all. And then somebody will go back and read the book and they're like, oh yeah, you're right. That, that wasn't the same. <laughs> They so, change yeah. the they change the titles of the books. Mm -hmm. They don't even say who it's based. Sometimes they don't even say who wrote it. Yeah, um, yeah. So, anyways, it's it's funny. But <laughs> <laughs> go check out Emma Castle um, next week on the podcast. I'm I'm here. It'll be my my week. And I'm I did a novella called The Seven Year Itch, which is a um, friends to lovers. It's like they live in New York City. They live next door to each other, and he's raising his sister. And his next door neighbor is like his best friend and she's been helping him raise his sister and their best friends for like seven years. And then she, he realizes that she's in love with him. And it's, it's good. It's good. It's a good awesome. sexy time. So awesome. be here for that. And I think that's it. That's it. Does anybody have anything? Nope. Okay. Leah, tell them what to do. Fuck your day up. Make today your bitch. Don't be a dick. Bye. Bye. Read me romance. Read, read me romance. Read me romance, read, read me romance. You could take a look in a book, that's fine. Or you could sit back, relax, and unwind and read.